to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. On this week's episode, Chilean writer-director Dominga Sotomayor discusses Too Late to Die Young, which opens here at Film at Lincoln Center this weekend with an opening night reception and Q&As on Friday and Saturday. Set in Chile in the year 1990, Too Late to Die Young is at once nostalgic and piercing, a portrait of a young woman and a country on the cusp of exhilarating and terrifying change. The film was an official selection at the 56th New York Film Festival, where Sotomayor joined producer Rodrigo Teixeira and executive producer Omar Zuniga Hidalgo for a Q&A. Let's go to that now. Uh, thank you all for being here. Um, I think I'll start with a question for Dominga. Um, you have talked about this film as, as, as a very personal film, um, and... I'm wondering if you could maybe talk about it in terms of autobiography and what is and what isn't autobiographical in this film. Now, sometimes it's difficult to me to separate what, what was real and what was not real. Memory is so fragile. But I think I always start with images of my life and, and things that I wanted to remember. And I arrived, what is the most autobiographical thing is that I arrived to live to a, a similar community like this uh, when I was four years old with my parents. Uh, they, the democracy was arriving to Chile and my parents and a, a group of 10 other families decided to move to this place that is quite similar to the, the one that I portrayed in the film. And I, I grew up there without electricity at, be, at the beginning, um, a fire of the city, and it was a very particular childhood. I think it, 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 it marks me a lot. You say marks me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I lived there for 20, 20 years. So I, I also live all the transformation of this place. And I think this film started with the nostalgic that I was that I had when I was like 27 and I was living in this place again for a while and I realized how, how difficult was to... <laughs> how... Yeah, that was impossible to come back to how the community was at the beginning. And... Yes. So what is this place like today? So now there's like... 400 houses. Mm. Uh, there are still some dirty roads, but it's, it's very dif different. And what is more impressive is that the city was growing. So at the beginning, it was in the outskirts of Santiago. It's like mm -hmm. far away of the city. We were like, I don't know, it was like one hour from the center. And now the city grows. And it's like, so it's, this is like an island. And, mm -hmm. and, and there's like modern. Uh, neighborhoods around the community. Right. So, in terms of what you shot for the film, did you have to recreate, reconstruct a lot of it? Yeah, like uh, deconstruct. Deconstruct. <laughs> deconstruct. Because I decided one limitation was that I wanted to shoot in this place. So mm -hmm. in, Which in doesn't exist in the way that, that it did existed, in 19, yeah. 1990s when the film is set. Yes, in yeah. the 90s. So I, we decided to shoot in the same place. We were looking for some houses that looks at it was before. Mm -hmm. And we were also like uh, deconstructing, like taking some part of things or, or building this house that is in contraction and trying to go up in the mountains to find uh, landscapes where looks as the, in the past. So how many of these, some of these houses were built 
from scratch for the film or yeah the, the the house of clara okay i, I was looking it was very obsessing one way of construction and i was looking for houses in construction i couldn't find it so we decided to build to, we found the the, the land yeah. and we built this little structure for the house it sounds like a complicated production i don't know if your producers <laughs> want to weigh in on what this process was like i mean uh, the product was um, was uh, it took a while for us to set it up. Uh, it was uh, difficult. Uh, we ha in Chile we have this film fund and it's very competitive. There's great talent coming out of the country and um, when it tr when the fund proved to be elusive, we tried to find some other ways and we met uh, Rodrigo Teixeira, who's with us tonight and who supported the film and was a champion for it from. Uh, the minute we got to know them, and through his support and through his production company, our T features at Spaytune in Brazil, we managed to uh, complete the funds with uh, then some other public su subsidies from Chile and Argentina and the Netherlands, and in the end, Qatar. <laughs> so it was a if it was a five-way uh, production, and then took a while for us to set it up, but. We're very glad that it worked out and we managed. Um, I think we uh, we set up a, a group of people that really wanted to work together and who committed uh, their best to the project in, in all these different countries from Rio's team in Brazil. Then we did the post-production in Brazil with a laboratory there and, and then another part also in the Netherlands. I don't know. Uh, besides the only the financial Part of it, we also really wanted to work with people who were supportive creatively of the film, and I think we found those right partners uh, for it. Yeah. In a way, for me, it was like to create in a community again, like doing the casting and and bringing all this crew together uh, was trying to rebuild a kind of a community because I, I knew that the the film wasn't in the script, that I I need to. I needed to put in life something and then to register again. Uh, so on the subject of casting, um, were these mostly non-actors? I'm especially curious about the, the younger the younger performers in the film. How did, how did you find them? So we didn't make like a traditional casting. Yeah. Uh, all the kids are kids without any experience. So they've never been in films? Yeah, before. never been in. I, I've been very strict always with this, like to work with kids without any experience before. So I. I work with Francisca Castillo as cast director. She is my mother also, and she <laughs> she also made the casting for my first feature mm -hmm. film. And she lives currently in the community. So mm -hmm. we were looking for mainly kids and people who work now in the community to try to rescue the the like common uh, experience of growing there. And so there are kids without an experience. There are like adults. Uh, who are the, per the father of Sofia mm -hmm. is a painter that is currently living in the community. Then there are some professional actors. Uh, it's a mix of like, like very eclectic uh, casting. So the setting of you know Chile in 1990s, it's it's a very pivotal time in recent Chilean political history, um, and it's something that you. It's sort of very much in the background of the film. Um, can you talk a little bit about the decision to, you know, to not make the the political aspect of the film explicit? Sure, I think it was. This how was a transition to democracy at this very particular moment. Yeah, yeah. but 
I wanted to I wanted to keep all the politics in the city, like outside. Yeah. I wanted to work, to try to, to, to also because I like this idea of timeless and when you cannot really... It's kind of hard to tell it for a while, like when exactly this is yeah. set to. Yeah, yeah and it, it was because I, I didn't want it to make it that clear. And I, I think for me, it was more about trying to get the spirit of the transition and to get the emotions. And I think this community is a little, a, a little world and a little Chile in, by that moment. Uh, and maybe the New Year's Eve is, has this feeling of like a new, a new beginning, but I didn't want it to make it political and concrete. And, but I think it's a film about teenagers, about adolescents, but also about a, a country that was a kind of adolescence. I was with a lot of pain and trying to, to start again. Let me ask one more before we open it up for audience questions. Um, I think one, one very striking thing for me about the film is how it's a film that has, um, it really is a collective film. I mean, even though like a few of the characters emerge, like Sophia and Clara and, and Lucas, but it, it really is a collective portrait and you get that in in terms of the writing but also in terms of like f scene shot by shot even just like how full the frames are you know of people and your use of with your cinematographer of these like very striking like deep focus compositions so I'm, I'm I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about just the the, the challenges of the process of, of writing a, a film that is truly like a collective portrait and also like shooting that I think that was the most challenging thing, trying to to portray like a collective status rather than like like a single story. And I think for me, this community and this kind of life was so difficult to explain and so particular and so like without borders that I wanted film to have the same nature. So I couldn't have like a like a traditional structure for a for to to trying to portray a life that doesn't have any limits in a way. So I I, I tried to make this the, this collective status and structure as closer as life with all the digressions that I that I wanted to have. <laughs> and I, but but it was difficult to have the balance also. And yeah, I don't know. So, so what you shot was pretty close to the script. Yeah, it's, it's very close to the script. Uh, I think it was very... Intibriones is a DOP, I think he's great. And he jumped into the project just like two weeks before the shooting. Uh, he wasn't supposed to be the, the DOP. And I think it was great because I was developing this project for a long time and to have his like fresh air, it was good. So I think the film is a mix of things that are very like draw by me, like very concrete, and things that we were just like trying to capture in the moment, and because I, I wanted the film to feel alive, not to feel like a, like a script uh, mm -hmm. put in, like, well shot. Right. <laughs> um, hi, uh, would you talk about, a little bit about your writing process? And I have another question, which is, I noticed the composition in the film is very um, unconventional. There's a lot of parts when the characters are not fully in frame. There's a lot of parts when the characters are occupying the whole frame. And there's also shots when 
like the arm is blocking the face and a lot of this stuff. Can you talk about your decision of the composition also? Thank you. So first was about the writing process, right? I think I'm kind of invaded by Imatus, like, and so I, I always start with Imatus, and then it's like a collection of real and, and fiction situations or things that I see or I remember or I, I listen now. So I start like a real, like a collection, and then I, I start like putting in order and or using more like in dramatic structure these images. Uh, usually I don't write like too much, like I, I take notes or I, I think <laughs> about the, a lot before writing, so then I need to be very focused to write and I write very fast, uh, but I need to be just doing that. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, it was strange because in this film it was a long time, so it started I don't know, the pieces were in one place and then I move it, I was using this scene for another thing. It was like really like um, it was changing, but it was the same. <laughs> um, I, I found a, a VHS tape, some VHS tape of a real forest fire that happened in the community in the 91. And what, what is, struck me? No, it struck me. <laughs> it, it was to see all these, all these people like trying to to turn off the fire with like trees. <laughs> like it was so absurd, like this, like a, just a couple of women trying to, to fight against the nature. I think, yeah, so I, I start with this idea of the fire and then I went back. So I knew it gonna be the end. And then I was like constructing the world before the fire. So I think the fire is something visible, it makes visible something that is contained before and is more like invisible, but it's there. It's like something that is like growing. And regarding the, I don't know, I think I shot, it's, it's very uh, like spontaneous. I, 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 it's very organic the way I, I, I decide to shoot. I, it's always when I write, already when I write, I have the image in my mind of how it will look. And, but there was also uh, something in the VHS that I like, and it, the, the, the woman who was recording this VHS uh, wasn't looking to the camera, so it was like this. So it was very random frames. And I like that, that sometimes she was like in a very strange um, frame. So I, I tried to rescue some of this randomness also where the camera is not always in the important, in the important place, in the, in the correct place. Was the forest fire something you experienced or only just through this VHS? Yeah, I, I was five years old and there was this big forest fire. And by that time, I, I was kept away of the, of the fire and I was in a, in a swim, in kind of a tank. So I never, I never saw the fire. I, I hear the screams, I, I knew about it. It was like a big thing for us as a kid. And then like 20 years later, I found this VHS. So it was the first time I saw the fire and I, it's why I, I started with this idea of making this film. Is there any significance of why you, you, you chose a Bernese mountain dog as the dog? I had one. Oh. <laughs> but, but also I like that it's very particular and it's, it's, there is also like a, 
it's like a class thing, no? But because in the poor neighborhood, they couldn't have one like this. So there was important for me that it was a very particular dog and not just like a dog. Why did you come up with this type of ending, you know, when there are moments when Sophia tried to leave and she didn't succeed, uh, or rather the dog succeeded of, you know, leaving? Yeah, I, yeah. I think you just say the answer. <laughs> I don't know, I, 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 didn't, I don't like to talk about metaphors or it's not, it's just like an image and I think it has to do with this collective status, like being with the dog is being with Clara and is being with Sofia in the river. So for me, it's, it's all about the same energy and end up with the dog living. And of course, there is something about the freedom that Sofia wanted to have too. Loved the film. Thank you so much. Um, I was wondering about the use of music in the film. Yeah, we realize. It, it's gonna be very difficult after the shooting. There were like 72 songs. <laughs> but while I was writing, I, I already had some music in mind. I think the transition in Chile, uh, it has also like a transition in music. It was a very random moment, a uh, like a crash between these like political songs in Spanish, like with like protest music, with like Michael Jackson arriving from the States or, so for me, while writing, I was thinking what was each of the characters listening. And I like when you use like musical, like popular music to, in another like place also. And as the characters are, are very contained and all the emotions are like very uh, thin, <laughs> I wanted the music to be like, uh, carry these emotions and so the casting was very musical we were like playing music with the kids and they are all very talented and I wanted the, the music to be very significant and then we had uh, uh, Sokyo is here is a music advisor and he helped us a lot to bring some of the songs that I wanted but also like to create other songs like similar to what we put in the in the editing it was a yeah yeah, and we, we only had like so many resources, so we, we had to be very smart about the way we could use those. And uh, Sokyo, who's here in the audience tonight, was very instrumental and helpful in like helping us find a way to have these songs that we really wanted for certain moments and, and other options for other moments. Um, so yeah, and we, and we also worked with uh, two Argentinian composers who made some original music for the film in like certain sections, uh, plus all these other songs from like, uh, that we all know, you know, when Sofia sings and, and the New Year's party or um, uh, others. And there was also like a lot of uh, Chilean music from the era. And we really wanted also to give this feeling of a certain moment in time this idea, this feeling of like the early 90s without it being a precise year, but this feeling of like probably that era, yeah. Any more, uh, any more hands? Uh, another front row question. Just a name, where does the name come from? The title. Uh, question about the title. I think, I, I remember I, I read this, this uh, this uh, phrase, phrase. <laughs> and, and it, it was the first thing that I had. 
and I remember these things you write when you are like teenager, like uh, in the walls or like almost like a statement. And I think the film has to do with with early loss of illusions. And and I was looking for these kids like that feels older than they are or feel they are. Yeah, I don't know. Has to do with this. It's also, I feel too late today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have time for one more question. So, if anybody has one, am I not seeing any hands? Okay. Um, Thank you. Well, I, I wanted you actually to talk a little bit about your um, about the actor who plays Sophia, um, because it seemed like this. I I met him. You introduced me in Locarno, and it seemed like this was a very important yeah. film for him. Um, and because of what happened after the film, if you can say a little bit about that, I think people sure. would be interested in. Sure. No, I think that the film. Ha I think this film kind of changed things, and it was for me a very important process, and also for for the kids. So. Uh, Demian, in particular, the main character. When I met her, it was Sof it was Mariana, and I was captured by her. Like uh, it was very complex. I didn't know what was it, but I I I I I think you cannot like create complexity in in the actors. I was just like very attracted by some indefinition. Also, you couldn't say how old was she and gender yeah. and after the shooting so it was mariana while, while we make the film and after the shooting uh, she approached us because uh, was like feeling as a as a boy so she asked if it could be demian in the credits instead of mariana and we say of course yes and so i start like accompany the process of transition and so I think during the, the shooting, he was kind of in a turmoil, in a transition, a real transition. And so now, like two months ago, before the, 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 the premiere in Locarno, we had a lunch and he told me, it's, it's super strange that I made a film as a, as a girl and I will premiere it now in Locarno as a, as a man. So it's really moving. This I think it's, it's very it's very special because the film captured hair as the last hair of him. <laughs> I don't know how to say the the last girl, and it's, it's been beautiful to to be part of it. Uh, but the film is not about that. It's something that just happened to us, and also other things. The Lucas, the the guy, is Antar. He lost his father two days before the shooting. So it was like a film that many things crossed these kids. And, and after the, the shooting, he told me, uh, this film saved me, really. Like, and now they're like, my, my family is like expanded every time I make a film. But these kids are like family to me. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just gave us so much. And the fact that they were like in their own personal turmoil at the time. Uh, and they still wanted to do the film, you know, with Antar, the actor who lost his dad, like before, three days before shooting. We were like, we'll do whatever you want to do. Like, we'll pause it. We'll postpone it if you need to. We'll, you know, like, whatever you need to do. And, and, and he was so sweet in terms of like, and so mature 
and he was only like 15 or 16 and he decided he was like no this is helpful for me this will help me like move forward in a way and and we went and we shot and and at the end he was so grateful and like appreciative and we owe everything to these kids because they really gave their all yeah and yeah I think that uh, because of all of this the shooting was so beautiful and so we take care of making a very like cozy ambient so we had a lot of fun and it was it's why I was saying it was like to create a new community so we spent like five weeks together and now it's also a film which is great and it's here and very happy but it's the process itself it was very like important I think that comes across in the film <laughs> thank you. so thanks to all of you for being here and thank you good night You've been listening to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Film at Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, Film at Lincoln Center presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support Film at Lincoln Center by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. Film at Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>